This is Sounds of Science. I'm John Sterling from Genetic Engineering and Biotechnology News. Cannibalism. I'm sure most people who hear that term are filled with feelings of disgust and revulsion. Indeed, researchers have long written off the practice as a strange phenomenon with little, if any, scientific importance. Its presence in nature was dismissed as a desperate response to starvation or other life-threatening circumstances. Few have spent time studying it. But the true nature of cannibalism turns out to be rather intriguing, and some would say more normal than the misconceptions we've come to accept as fact. That's the opinion of zoologist Bill Shutt, a research associate at the American Museum of Natural History in New York. He's just written a book, Cannibalism, a Perfectly Natural History, published by Algonquin Books. His aim is to debunk common myths and investigate our new understanding of cannibalism's role from a biological and evolutionary perspective, as well as from a ritualistic and anthropological point of view. Bill, why did you decide to write a book on cannibalism? So I worked on a book called Dark Banquet, Blood and the Curious Lives of Blood-Feeding Creatures, where I, in a sense I demystified the whole idea of, uh, of vampirism. Took a, a zoologist approach. Didn't use a lot of jargon. Used uh, used some humor where you know where needed. And so this was so, so cannibalism was was really in my mind a very very uh, natural follow up to to a book on blood feeding creatures. That there were there were really uh, sensational books out there, and there were some a couple of academic books, but there was nothing in the middle. There was nothing for an intelligent reader. It wasn't necessarily a scientist. Uh, that spanned the entire animal kingdom and then moved in and looked at uh, at humans. When does cannibalism make biological and evolutionary sense? Across the animal kingdom, there there are a, a, quite a few different reasons why cannibalism makes sense. Famously, it's a reproductive strategy. And, and of course, we know about uh, black widow spiders and, uh, and and praying mantises, but, it, but it's a lot, there's a lot more to it than that. If you are a male, uh, a, a small male, Spider, for example, and you rarely, if ever, come across a female. And when you do, you of course want to mate with her. Then, 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 what better way to assure that your genes are going to be passed on through the survival of, of your uh, of your mate uh, than to offer her a meal at the at the end of, of your reproductive bout? Um, and there have been studies that have shown that females, I think this was mantises, female mantises. That uh, that consume their mates not only produce more eggs and young, but don't mate with another male after after consuming um, another first mate. My favorite example in the animal kingdom is a small group of of legless amphibians called Sicilians, and that's with a C. I've got to always mention that because of my Italian relatives. So uh, what they do is they they hatch and they they consume the skin of their mothers. So they'll peel her like a grape. Her skin, for example, is not is not thin, it's like our epidermis. It's rich with uh, fats and nutritious uh, and nutrition for her for her babies. Then there are the Sicilians that uh, that give birth to live young. And what they found was that the, the babies were born with this strange tooth that fell out soon after birth. They were wondering what use it could have when it just popped out of their mouths. And so they went and said, well, well is, could they possibly be using this before they're born? They did some dissections on the females, and they looked in her, in her oviducts and find that, found that the linings were eaten away. And once again, 
the lining of the oviduct is, is in this instance rich in nutrition, rich in fat. Um, for it's, so, so this is not you know this is not some type of uh, aberrant behavior. This is a highly evolved form of parental care. Okay, here comes the million dollar question: Why do humans eat each other or parts of other people's bodies? If you ask that question, most people are going to say because of criminal cannibalism, because they're insane, and I think that there's a spectrum there. I don't believe that there's a cannibal gene that causes you to, to, to go crazy. Uh, I think this is a – and it's, it's certainly beyond what my book was about. I'm not a criminal psychologist. Um, the other reason is because there's not enough food, and, and there have been dozens and dozens and dozens of instances where famines have caused cannibalism. There's ritual cannibalism. We grew up with this Western taboo that, that I think started with the Greeks and then went to the Romans and then Shakespeare and then the Brothers Grimm and uh, Sigmund Freud and on and on and on, the snowballing effect until cannibalism became the, the, the taboo, the, the ultimate taboo for, for people from, from, from the West. In cultures that did not experience that, that tab, and didn't read about how horrible it was and that it was the most nasty thing you could do as far as being vengeful or that monsters were the, were, were the cannibals, uh, the culture is king and you develop your own rituals based on what you believe in. And so people, uh, instead of burying their dead, they paid homage to their dead by carving them up and consuming them. And, and a lot of these groups were just as mortified when they met Westerners that we were burying our dead. <laughs> Could you put your dead in the ground and, and let them rot and, and, and let worms eat them? Why wouldn't you want to incorporate them into yourself? So, so there's this whole rich history of ritual cannibalism. Uh, and then there's medicinal cannibalism as well. This is, the, this is what blew me away as far as human cannibalism, how common it was for hundreds of years in Europe. And, and, and especially given the Western taboos, I was like, what? They, they ate every part of the body from the skull to the blood, fat, skin, organs. Probably the only thing they didn't eat was the, the gallbladder because of the bile in it. Through the Middle Ages, into the Renaissance, right up into the beginning of the 20th century. Thanks for listening. For Genetic Engineering and Biotechnology News, I'm John Sterling.